0: Hi there, this is Andre, welcoming you to a new season of the Marketing Innovation Podcast Show. Our special guest today is Tyler Sullivan, also known as Sully, who is the founder of BombTech Golf, an e-commerce store with over 20 million sold online since 2012. He also runs e-com growers, helping Shopify store owners ramp up their online revenue and profits. Tyler here is hyper-focused on the customer experience and operating a lean business that doesn't just drive revenue, but drives serious profit and cash flow. Today, as we're getting into the frenzy of Black Friday preparations for e-commerce in general, we'll discuss how to best prepare your online store for the upcoming shopping season, as well as email marketing strategies to boost revenue and profits in e-commerce. Without further ado, Tyler, it's a pleasure to have you here on the show, or Sully, <laughs> how are you? How's the day going?
1: Good. I'm good, man, living the dream, you know? Drinking some coffee, need some more, I may have to switch to whiskey in preparation for Black Friday, but... um <laughs> Life is good. We got to update that deck. We're at, uh, over 30 million sold. So we're doing, you know, right around, I think our trailing 12 is almost 10 million. Um, and my own brand and the agency, um, I think we've got 40 clients right around that. So it's been, it's been cool to be on both sides and, and both businesses. I kind of, um, started with no real intention to start them. They kind of found me, um, and I can kind of go into my founder's story and how I got started, if you like.
0: Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah, I was about to pick your brains on that. And to actually, you know, uh, help people here understand, as well as me, understand how you started out and uh, mainly, you know, running an e-commerce in 20, back in the day in 2012, that was pretty early. So okay. it will be interesting to hear your story and how you made the start on this.
1: Probably very different than if someone has started recently. I mean, I started 2012, to, not as... I was an accidental entrepreneur, you know, so I was just obsessed with golf and trying to hit the golf ball as far as I could. And in doing so, you know, I ended up breaking a lot of golf clubs, right? It wasn't from my pure power or, or muscles, uh, which I wish it was, but this local club builder was assembling these special clubs for me. And mm-hmm. I would go around and try to compete in what they call uh, world long drive. It's like the home run derby of golf. And I just did it cause it was fun. Right. So I had a full-time job and then in 2012, it was much harder to make a website, you know, let alone a website that you could sell something off. And I just, for some reason was, really just became obsessed and wanted to learn more and, and made a really bad website. Um, but after six months, which may seem like a long time, but I had no goals of making money with it, it was just for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I finally had a sale and it was, I was on my boat and it wasn't a yacht, but I was on this boat <laughs> I had and I got an email saying, hey, you sold something, and that blew my mind. That was my first epiphany, like, oh my God, I'm not at work. I'm not in front of my computer, but I sold something. So I said, well, how do I do more of that? And really, this is 2012, so it's a very different role, but I just started documenting what I was doing on Facebook. You know, just kind of saying, hey guys, this is what I'm doing today, what kind of clubs do you play, and really having a um, curiosity and asking my potential customers. And during that process, I grew the following, and I had the crazy idea to design my own golf driver, which is not an easy feat. So I worked with, um, I actually called one of my buddies. We we're just talking about what I was doing. And I had this idea and he's like, well, you're not that smart. <laughs> and I said, you're right. I'm not that smart. So I can't design a golf club myself. Um, but I ended up applying for a program at my local college, University of Vermont. And I worked with four students and we engineered a golf club for a year. So we actually part of the UBM uh, engineering program, and it was kind of a big risk, but I I was confident in the design. Uh, I found a manufacturer through a very painful process that took me about six months Mm -hmm. and cashed in my 401k and made some golf clubs. And during that process, I just was telling people what I was doing, inviting their feedback on Facebook and That allowed me to build a platform. So when we did launch, you know, we didn't do a ton of sales, but I think we did 10K in a day. Mm -hmm. And that was, um, I was like, let's just do more of that. (laughs) So so really, I was just going where the traction was early days. Like if something worked, I'd just try to do more of that. And I think our, our next inflection point, and there's been many epiphanies over nine years, but the big one was for us was how to scale, right? So like it was a side hustle. I was doing like 15, 20 K a month, which may sound decent, but with your making a product yourself, it means you're you're broke because uh, mm-hmm. you have to pay to make more. So cash it was nothing. Um, and then I had a big moment. Uh, I, I call it the, you know, go for it moment where I was fired from my day job uh, the week before Thanksgiving. And I just found out my wife was pregnant. Oh, so that- so cool. hurt- I could not explain how much stress that year was because she supported me. It was like, hey, you know, if you think you can do it, do it. Um, and she pretty much said, hey, you can make bomb tech work or not. And was supporting me. And we had a newborn on the way. And it was tough because I was working 20 hours a day, seven days a week. And I did that when he was a baby. Um, I was doing all the wrong stuff. You know, I was building clubs myself, shipping them myself, doing everything by myself. And then, you know, I, I was able that year out of pure hustle and grind was able to scale it up enough to pay the bills and not be totally broke. And then next year we went from like one mil to like four mil and we were able nice. to use paid, tra- paid traffic. So we were able to figure out Facebook ads. I hired someone smarter than myself. You know, now, now we do, you know, around 10 million and I only have two employees. Um, so, and I work about four hours a week, but it took me nine years getting fired from my job, two kids to realize, like, I don't have to be in the business now. I can hire people smarter than myself. So I think a lot of my advice and, and my experience, it depends on you where you're at in your own business and what life events you're at and dealing with. So for me, it's, you know, if you talked to me five years ago, or six years ago and said, Hey, you can only work four hours a week. Could you do it? I would say no. So it's, it's, it all worked out. You do a lot of things hard, wrong for a long time and you, you figure out what you really need to work on. But um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now. You know, I'm working a lot less and have an agency, which is dual income. And, you know, I'm living the dream and I'm just trying to find stuff to work on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice, no, that's a very good problem to have. So um, you touched on something that I think is really important that is recurring in successful entrepreneurs and that is burning the boats, whether you intentionally do it or not. So, how do you feel burning the boat in that moment when you basically got fired from the job? Of first uh, mini question the, the would be boat, the Was that because was
1: burned, of? Boat was burned for me. <laughs> uh, I mean, my, my philosophy is really like, you know, if you're in the startup phase and you need an income, work a day job. You know, there's nothing wrong with that um th- for me that was just the moment where it was so much pressure you know from family side income or lack thereof at this point that i just had to make it work you know it wasn't like an option so really mm-hmm. that was just i'm glad it happened but at the time it seemed like the worst thing in the world and i wouldn't advise someone like hey you have a startup idea you're doing some revenue just go quit you know i, mm-hmm. I don't i don't necessarily believe in that and everyone has their own journey um but for me, it was a lot of these things that have happened were right time and right place just for for my journey. Um, I don't know. Maybe the business would have never taken off if I wasn't fired. That's what probably would have happened. Um, so yeah, that but the, the immense amount of pressure and then having a kid. I mean, I don't advise to do that. <laughs> <laughs> just figuring it out,
0: right? Okay. So you mentioned the, the sort of mini lounge that you made for the brand and then discovering paid advertising a bit later down the line. Um, how was your marketing mix when you were small and what changes did it suffer as you looked at whales to scale it up and when you eventually had that second inflection point?
1: Yeah. So scaling was very difficult when I first started because Facebook ads really weren't a thing, right? So it was just Google. And I had no real budget to scale at that point because I was just paying for product and and really every effort i did was organic i was in different like forums this is before facebook groups even facebook video you know i mean this is old school this is before the selfie um so a lot of my efforts were like literally posting on facebook going into forums having conversations with people and a lot of engagement like that's really if, if i were to describe most of what i was doing was just having conversations on every platform email um Different groups or different forums, and then on Facebook. And Facebook was really the big one. So I would just ask questions like on our page. And this is like when if you had 500 likes, that's 500 people to actually see your stuff. Now we have mm-hmm. I don't know 123,000 or something, but a good post maybe 10,000 people see it. So the reach was 100 percent back then. Mm-hmm. So I would literally just talk to guys. If anyone commented, and this is a good example, if anyone commented, I would comment back. And we had when Facebook video first came out, I jumped on it. So like Facebook live came out, we jumped on it. Facebook video, came out, we jumped on it. ads, came out, we jumped. So I was just quick and early on stuff, but the video, I have a video in my backyard where I hit a ball to a net. And it sounds like a gun goes off. I hit it so hard. And I say, does your driver sound like that? And I boosted it for like 300 bucks. And back in the day, that video got 300,000 views, 10,000 comments. Um, and not all the comments were great. Like, we love it, we'll buy the club. But I just saw that as, okay, there's some traction here. People are interested in some re- some way. Let me comment back. And again, a lot of my decisions on what I did weren't driven by revenue and money. It was just driven by traction. And because I didn't have a, you know, I didn't start the business to say, hey, I'm gonna make a million dollars a year. I just did it because I loved it at first, then I had the pressure and had to make it happen. So the when that video got 10,000 comments, I just commented on my BlackBerry at the time, if you can imagine that, until my thumbs were like bleeding. Like literally I would comment every comment because I just saw people engaging. And that really was where we started to get like momentum. You know, and then we took those those videos and those views and comments and scaled up. It just started, I ran all the ads myself, but that's how we went from like 400K all organic to a million dollars with Facebook ads. And then my, I hired someone, that actually knew how to retarget, like actually knew, like when things were just coming out, he actually knew how to use it. And that's why we went from like a million to four million, you know, and then we went to six and now we're doing like nine or 10 um, with the ability to scale those channels. You know, now we do Facebook, Google, we're doing TikTok, different things like that. And then really on top of the front end, we've dialed in the back end. You know, that's really the, that's what lets me sleep at night is that all I care about is like if someone's willing to buy, I want to wow them in such a way that I earn the right to sell to them again. You know, we mm-hmm. do things that other people really just I have a, I have a lot of secrets here. But um, in email, you know, post-purchase flows, thank you voicemails, thank you cards, thank you videos. We all do that are t- tough to scale, but we do it because it's worth it. And we've kind of changed and you know, the comments was where we we're getting our original traction, but now we take that same approach into where we drive most revenue, which is email. So we really look at the back end like in Klaviyo and Postscript with email and SMS. And we have that same thing where we don't necessarily say, does your driver sound like that? But we'll ask questions we wanna know the answer to. Like, hey, we're launching two new products this, in the next six months or we're designing two, two new products. A or B, which one do you guys, w- which one you you want? And what it does is it does two things. It gets people involved in the brand, it gets people engaged, it moves your email to the inbox from promotions tab, and lastly, it gets you an answer you really want to know the answer to, or a mm-hmm. question you want answered. A lot of times early on when I was like having a couple of good years where we were crushing it, um, I thought I knew what the customers wanted, right? And we had a couple launches or one launch particular that didn't crush it because I didn't really know what people wanted So now we just ask them. So our whole approach is having a two-way dialogue or two-way conversation on the channel we can control and the channel that drives revenue the most, which is email. And that mm-hmm. allows us to be profitable, whether it's Facebook, TikTok, Google, YouTube, connected TV. We could spend more because we know people are going to repeat. We have a higher LTV and it turns people into brand advocates. So it's a it's a more mature way to look at it. Um, and that's really at the end of the day, if we were to sell the company or be bought, they're buying our customer list and our email list, which is our... That's our true asset. you And a lot of people look at it as like, I got to drive an ROI for my ad, but then they totally negate email and just blast them overly designed newsletters that get nothing done. Um, So it's a a big, I don't know why, but it's just, and that's what birthed the agency. I can go into that story in a minute, but I'll pause there. So that's really like how we look at it. It's two-way conversations that you actually want to know answers to that get people to reply and help you learn more about your customers.
0: Mm-hmm. very cool so this is actually one of the very few discussions with uh, you know store owners that um actually took a lot of action in triggering that dialogue post purchase because uh, you know many entrepreneurs know that they should be more active on email that there are opportunities out there to automate uh if we could zone just a little bit into this and if you could share i have to things that I think would be very relevant to the guys listening to us right now. And one of them is to draw a parallel so we can show through your case study, if you want, um, the difference that email marketing can make um, as opposed to if you were not running it. So for example, you you have a cost of acquisition, for example, by running Facebook ads, let's say, but then how much you can increase the value of that customer by running very good email marketing campaigns. That'd be one. Uh, and if you have some numbers that you could share, I think they'd be very, uh, they would be building onto the argument. And then the second one was, what's your approach to marketing right now? Like, how are your funnels looking like?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I, I, I hate tactics and hacks and, and things like that. At this point in my life and business and both companies, it's all about mindset and strategies at a high level. So it's like, I can tell you, hey, do this tactic or You know, this will reduce your CAC if you do this type of, you know, funnel or flow. But that's not the reality. The reality is you need to have a true uh, across every uh, department, you know, ads, email, customer service. You need to have a understanding that you're going to actually wow customers and you're going to actually ask real questions on everywhere. But if you just say, hey, man, you do this one thing in email, it's going to make a difference. It's not going to matter. So it's, it's a very different approach. So like and I, the year we did our worst, we tried every hack, tactic of strategy and, and it wasn't an overall high level of view at it. So that's number one is like the mindset is probably 99% of this is changing how you look at email. Like number one, like if, because I, I can tell you, hey, do this. If you do it one time or you don't do the whole mindset shift, it's not going to matter. So it's mm-hmm. like you need to truly understand and appreciate what the inbox is and try to be native to it. So like, do you want to get into like how we execute that? And from a tactic standpoint (laughs) is we, we write a lot of plain text emails that are like, you would send me like, if you get an email from your buddy or you send email, do you write it in HTML and make it look pretty in a newsletter? No, you send in text. like, yo, what's up, man? What are you doing Friday? So we do the same thing. That's native to that platform. So that's a mind mind shift thing. It's like, If you want it to look pretty, absolutely, we can do that for you. But a lot of it is getting out of that, oh, this has to be on brand, look pretty, to like, all right, what's native to the platform? So we'll throw in, you know, question emails that are one line. Hey, Mike, um, what drive are you playing right now? Oh, and they just reply, hey, I'm playing this. And we get feedback. And that gives us data. Then then we have my in-house guys. This is what I'm saying, full mind shift. Now my in-house guys that are paid well, my customer service guys, they then will have a starter conversation with these guys. So they're almost, we're having an ongoing conversation for years. So like we've got guys like Jim or Mike or Bob, whoever it is that have bought from us in 2014, that now they've actually had probably 400 email conversations with our guys in house. We're like, hey man, I played this weekend. Um, Awesome course. And then our guys were like, what'd you shoot? So like literally just building these relationships at scale that no one wants to mess with. So I think that's the hardest part is like, completely shifting from like emails and revenue source only I want money 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 I'm gonna blast bullshit at them or overly designed garbage to a like all right this is a real channel I'm gonna have real conversations and build something from that right so like plain text makes it more native and then really the other one is just you know we do ask for replies for like early access so I think I don't want to go too down the rabbit hole of like this tactic thing. Cause again, if you miss the first part, it doesn't matter. But we'll Mm -hmm. ask for replies like, Hey, do you want to Like just be really casual. Like, Hey, we're launching a new club. You know, in 15 days, um, this is what it's going to be. Do you want to get early access? Click reply, reply, boom with one word boom for early access. So then we tag them that they replied. Now we're guaranteed to be an inbox or have a better chance. They see that email. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just engages. So again, this is like small tactics you can do. I can go into a million more tactics we use, but if you nail the strategy of why the channel's important and why you should give a shit, you'll be better off. You know, and really think of it as like, if Facebook ads died, if Google ads died, would you be able to survive and sell through your inventory and continue to run the business? I would say probably 85 to 90% of clients that we look at their accounts, it would be a no because they if they were to say, hey, you know if that was the only channel you had, could you survive and they they couldn't because they've just been blasting crap and they need new customers to survive. Uh, we all want to grow, but if you couldn't grow that's the exercise I ask is like could you sustain and at what level so that's how we treat it and we really change that perspective you know and then the the second one that's really easy too is just like you should be emailing more and if you're emailing, stuff they care about emailing more will be good but if you're emailing more about stuff they don't care about you're screwed so mm-hmm. it's like you know, it's, right. <laughs> that's why that's why i hate like tactics hacks because if you're just one siloed hack or tactic which i've tried all of them it doesn't work without the high level strategy you know what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: okay um and do you think or do you feel anything has changed at uh... No, actually, probably macro would not be the best uh, angle to put the question from right now. But in your niche and uh, taking the case of what you were doing before COVID and then looking at, let's say, the last Black Friday and now the upcoming one. So in this sort of year period, um, because we are getting close to this, so I'm curious to to see what your position is and what you feel has been dramatically changed since.
1: What What has changed from last year with Black Friday?
0: Uh yes, I mean you know from before the pandemic and then going to Black Friday last year and now preparing for the next one coming this year.
1: I mean last year is going to be hopefully the only year like that. It, it was it was a weird year overall because I mean COVID. I, I felt weird personally because we were golf is up. Uh, E-commerce is crushing. So to be doing better than ever when seeing so many people suffer and and have a tough time was hard for me personally to be okay with. Um, I think from other clients and brands, I think Black Friday is gonna be massive. I mean, it's always big, but e-com has fast forwarded 15 years or 10 years with with what happened with COVID. People that wouldn't have shopped online are obviously shopping more online than ever before. We'll see how COVID's doing, because if we're, you know, I think people are just dying to do anything with friends and are doing stuff, you know, and getting out there. So we'll, we'll see how that is. I think Black Friday's gonna be big. And really, preparation's already begun. If you're not engaging, asking questions, and just having real conversations with your list, you're screwed, it's already gonna be too late. So really, we're not necessarily my own brand, a massive Q4 brand. Like our summers are Q4, Um, Mm you know, and, you know, personally with golf, I mean, you you can't even get clubs made for a year now. The lead times are so long. And and with shipping, I think that's going to be one of the true challenges is have brands stocked up enough because that has been one thing out of our control is the inbound shipping, you know, no matter where you're getting stuff made, if you're shipping it, it's like, it's just been brutal. You know, normal shipping times were 30 days for us. Now they're 90. So I, I already ordered everything for all of next year and have everything in stock for all of next year. For the mm-hmm. most part, I got a couple more shipments. I think people that weren't willing to do that and invest, you know, throw down that cash flow are going to have a tough time and sell out too too quick. Um, but I think it's going to be big. I mean, Black Friday, Cyber Money is always a fun, our, our most fun time as, at the agency because for a lot, almost... I'd say ninety percent of our clients. This is their peak peak season. You know, this is the go time. Um, so I think a lot of people are going to launch promos super early. Um, I think best campaigns that or best brands or brands that do the best typically launch something new uh, alongside, you know, discounts. I've always personally struggled with this time of year because it's like, how hard do you want to push a deal, and then people will like don't wanna buy unless that deal still exists. So we, we try to run a very tight window how big the deals are and say to ourselves, okay, would we be okay selling this deal any time of year? That's like my litmus test. And if, I, if I'm not willing to sell it any time of year, I really shouldn't be doing a Black Friday because it means the margins aren't right um, or it's not a deal. Because y- you may get stuck if you go too hard because people be like, hey, I want it at that price. And we always honor those prices no matter what. So that's just one thing I, I'm wary of. Um, but yeah, it's a fun time. And I usually, like I said, launches and new launches during Black Friday Cyber Monday is a good way to sidestep pure deals, you know? So like for us, we'll launch two new products or two back-in-stock products that are sold out. And those will do well because there's pent-up demand versus just be like, hey, 50% off, good luck. Because everyone's saying that, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's, that's one way to get around it.
0: Question here. Um, let's say, because you mentioned the agency and you work with a variety of uh, e commerce stores already, mostly Shopify, as far as I know. Uh, yep. Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Um, let's probably not all of them have a big database that they can leverage in advertising through the year and including Black Friday. What are some of the top strategies that you feel are suitable for small, maybe niche online stores that are looking to scale and maybe to prepare for um for the for Black Friday? So kind of those list building activities that they can still run, preparing themselves for the period when they will be able to uh, deploy something on email.
1: I mean, we we don't change strategies. Like again, I, I literally work two to three hours a week on my econ brand because we have set plans and strategies for the whole year. We're not testing new shit just because it's almost q4 i mean you should be running paid traffic profitably and well already um before black friday and gathering emails so i mean this would be any time of year we want to make sure the pop-ups are dialed in i mean that's the biggest one so you only have two real buckets in my opinion you've got um customers so guys Mm -hmm. that have bought product from you and then you got people that have abandoned and you get that email so for us you know, the first thing we do with a new client is we optimize their pop-up. You know, we if you want to go down the hacks, tactics, strategies of like, hey, let's do giveaways and let's do this stuff to build up our list in an artificial way for Black Friday, I think it's a miss. I think it's going to be a lot of bullshit emails that don't buy. Whereas we just do it all day, every day and don't have to pivot because we're doing it properly. So right now we have a, an email pop-up that gets like 17%. Um, mm-hmm. And so with that pop-up, the whole goal is to build that list, evergreen, every day, all day, all year. So when Black Friday comes, we're like, oh, shit, we didn't have enough emails. You know what I mean? So I think that's a big mistake. And if you're smaller, it's all fundamentals, man. Ecom's not complicated. It's traffic, it's email, and really we have like CRO, SEO, and these other things but you got to be able to drive traffic and then you got to be able to monetize the back end and increase repeat you know and that's that's really it that's stuff you should be doing all year if you're scrambling to do stuff new and different now it's going to be i think you're going to have you're going to struggle so i would take a step back and say hey what can we do to optimize our pop-up to get more email or more sms now whether it's black friday this year black friday next year or any day you know what i mean it shouldn't be a, a special thing for black friday
0: Mm-hmm. okay um however so i know you don't like this uh, and i'm not trying to push the idea of uh, only hacks and tips and strategies and tips, whatever i'm just uh trying to because i saw this in a couple of conversations that i personally had as well with some of our clients or potential clients lately many people were kind of not switched off during the summer but didn't really push things forward as much as they should have. And they kind of left them on the side. It was a bit of an insecurity in the market, too. And people really wanted the holiday. So everything kind of slowed down a bit with the smaller shops and stuff. And now, as you know, the autumn comes and then winter and Christmas as well, um, even though it's not the best case scenario, everybody tries to push things a bit stronger forward. So that's basically where I'm trying to get to as well in our conversation to maybe try to put together a list of like maybe three or five things that um, somebody that maybe has left this for last minute can still do and still make a step forward in that direction. Although a long-term strategy is definitely the way that they should be approaching this.
1: Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm not, I'm not negating uh, strategies in time of year, <clears throat> you know, if they've been just taking the summer off and, and weren't doing it right, I, I believe you should have it set up so you can take the summer off and do it well, but that's, that's, uh, that's neither here or there, but no, I mean, really it's, it's, can you drive traffic profitably and can you hype well, you know, like, <clears throat> so from a things to do, if you're on, sitting on your hands saying, oh shit, Black Friday's coming. You know, it's, is my pop-up dialed in, meaning can I get more opt-ins? Yes or no. If it's under 15%, probably most people are like 5%. Yes, you can, you can do more. So dial in your, your email pop-up to get more for people that are not buying. Number two, post-purchase, anyone that is buying, do they actually like you? And are you doing a good job, you know, wowing them? So that's more of a customer service deep dive of like what is your Help Scout rating or whatever Zendesk rating, because if people are not happy, you're not delivering on time, they're not happy with the product, happy customer customer service, you're gonna have a tough Black Friday from that from that segment. So mm-hmm. I would I would audit that and say hey, you know how, how are our actual customers? What's a repeat order rate? Do they like us? Lifetime value, all that stuff. And then really the last part would just be planning the offers. So like if you're deciding Black Friday Cyber Monday is going to be our big push 95% outside of engaging the list getting more emails on the list and hyping them like telling people it's coming that's that's most of it but then it's the offer itself. And this is a hard one to you know really dial in because it's dependent on the brand, it's dependent on inventory, it's dependent on on what the normal deals are but we found special bundles typically do well so like and Mm -hmm. i mean offers instead of like saying you've got a best-selling i don't know dog toy whatever instead of saying hey this dog toy is only 20 bucks but for black friday it's 10 you're gonna have to sell twice as many of those to make up for that margin Mm -hmm. what i'd rather see is more time as the founder saying hey we have this one product that does well and maybe we've got two other products that don't do well let's make a Black Friday bundle and bring them all together if inventory can do that. And now we are AOV instead of, let's say it's average order was $20 per item. Now it's 60. Then the perceived value, when you drop it to 40, may be higher, you know what I mean? And now your AOV is mm-hmm. up. So I think the power of the offer, whether that's bundling, discounting, uh, I usually go new launch or bundle typically mm-hmm. instead of just massive discount. Mm-hmm. Um, is the make or break you know and really i hype we try to hype and i can't give all my strategies away hype with email and sms saying stuff is coming so they're getting ready for it and mm-hmm. we run ads at full price or normal discounts and hold it back you know and we don't do a lot of this because we, we're not a big black friday company, but typically we'll hold that offer so when they do see it it's a big deal you know what i mean but mm-hmm. I, I would encourage people you have to do your fundamentals which is build the list build your customers make sure they're happy And then just work on your offer, which is what you should be doing all year anyways. I know that's my thesis, I guess, today. But um, because if you don't have an offer that's like really exciting, dude, it's going to be tough to stand out that day, that week, that month, because everyone's going as big and deep as they can, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: Great points. And uh, another thing you mentioned, you will tell us a bit about your agency and how that came about. So let's uh, zoom into that a bit. And uh, what's the story behind it?
1: Yeah, so another accidental entrepreneurship moment. Um, so, like, BombTech was doing really well. This was year six or something. Mm-hmm. And I had a, a number of articles come out, like, Plavio did a case study on us, Big Commerce, Inc. Magazine, like, a, a couple of relevant, like, really relevant to e com. And people started messaging me on, like, Facebook, LinkedIn, like, hey, man, I saw that you were killing it with your own e com brand. Do you want to help us? I said, no absolutely not. I can't help you. It's too complicated. Um, and I didn't have the time. And I had a young kid. And I was like, dude, no. And then I thought about it. And I just kept on getting it was almost relentless with these messages of people wanting to help or wanting me to help their brand. I was like, I don't know if I can help. I, and, and really, for me, anything I ever would do needed to be tangible. You know, I wouldn't be like, hey, I'll do consulting just help you on a phone. I was like, it has to be tangible. So My number one employee or my first employee, not my number one, my first employee, Chris, who was my, you know, he'd been with me now for four or five years. He was running all my email with Clavia, and all the technical stuff. I would help him with the offers and the copy and stuff. He's like, hey, and he was a unique guy. He was working like 80 hours a week on his own regard. You know, he would text me like two in the morning, leaving the bars like, hey, man, have you seen the conversion rate? (laughs) I'd be like, dude, go to bed. Um, so he's like, Hey, do you, do you mind if I, as a side hustle, help these brands, see if I can help them specifically with one thing, which is email and drive more revenue. I said, dude, I want nothing more in life than to support you. So if you want to do this on the side, I will, I'll do whatever I can do to help you. Let me know. So he closed three of the deals that or three of the brands that were interested talking to me. And I said, let me know how it goes in 30 days. I go, don't, it can't impact your day-to-day work. Uh, let me know. So 30 days go by, I go, what, what's up? How'd it go? He goes, well, I doubled their revenue from email. I go, oh, that's good. What do you want to do? And he goes, I want to do more of that. So we essentially sat down, you know, had a couple of beers and said, how are we going to make this happen? And so we literally wrote out his transition plan from BombTech how someone would, you know, take it over, or, or how we would do that, and then how we would build the agency. And so that was three and a half years ago. And you know, now he really runs that company, Ecom Growers. Um, I'm more of a, a silent partner in the fact that I just help him with systems, operations, and getting him the right people. And that's really all I do. And he does all the fulfillment, manages the team. So we have a lot of like high-level strategy conversations of like, what do we need uh, from a company standpoint? But we've we've gone through many evolutions. But now we hover between like 30 and 40 clients. We work specifically with e-com brands doing between one and like 30 million a year. Most of our brands mm-hmm. are doing like seven to 10. Um, mm-hmm. And we run all their email, email and SMS now. So we do, you know, what we do is someone that's interested, we'll do a full audit. So we'll go jump into it. We only do clavio and, and Postscript. Um, we'll jump in because we're a platinum agency. We're like top four or something. I don't know that what it is in terms of revenue managed. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll jump in and just audit their account, see what they're doing. And we'll literally give them a roadmap. Hey, you don't have to hire us, but if you were to, this is exactly what we would do. You can do it yourself or you can hire us to do it. And we take the same, you know, strategies that we use in our own you know, in bomb tech and use them for everyone else. Um, you know, it's obviously custom and tailored for everyone. And it's been pretty cool, you know, cause that was totally not something I anticipated happening. Um, and now that's doing over seven figures. You know, so we got an eight, eight figure econ brand seven figure agency, and I'm excited to scale that up. Um, very different battle running an agency because you have a lot more humans involved. Um, it's a service type of industry so we're, we're we've done a lot now we have full health care you know we've increased our salaries we have bonuses you know um a lot has changed so it's 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 cool to have another company that's growing and it's cool to be right in the same niche so again i'm not one to be like hey leggings are trending let me go sell leggings like i know mm-hmm. shit about leggings you know do what you love and and see opportunities when they come and i just told them like hey I'll help you in these very specific silos of operations and, and, you know, strategy, but you're the one in the day to day and it's worked out great. And he's making, you know, 10 X what I used to pay him. Um, and he's running his own company and you know I'm glad to be a part of it. And um, you know, I am pretty removed from day to day stuff. So that's why like, you know, I don't get deep in the weeds cause it's like, I just have the right people to, to ping the things off. Cause I'm not that smart anymore. I'm just a dumb owner is my joke, you know?
0: Very nice adventure there. Yeah, man, yep. you, you did quite quite a few very interesting things uh, and notable. Uh, what's coming up for you right now? Like, where are you focusing on? What do you want to scale faster? Uh, maybe release? Anything that our audience can look into that you'd like them to, <laughs> to find? Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, personally, I've just been trying to enjoy life more. You know, I've got two young kids. So, like, when I had my second kid... Congrats. Thank you. Yeah, they're seven and four now. I I was just, I was like, I can't live like that. So I, when I had my second child, I was able to truly, and and this was for me, like one of my things I'm passionate about, I don't do anything, like I don't monetize this, but I'm passionate about helping founders and mostly my co-founder, Chris, get out of the day-to-day so he can live his life because it took me, I think, too long to get out of the day-to-day. It took me, you know, I don't know how many years, but now I'm truly an owner that has no levers to pull because I have all the right people. So I'm, I'm personally passionate about that. I haven't monetized it, turned into anything, but it's just like, I like when I see founders get out of their own way and actually become an owner. So you can live your life, you know, which is really hard. Um, but from a, you know, most of my time, you know, I spend with my family or trying to help Chris grow the agency. So if there's any e-com brands that are looking to prep for Black Friday or just want an audit, of their clay account. We'd love to do it at ecomgrowers.com. I mean, that's really our biggest, you know, a, opportunity to grow, you know, bomb tech is, is well optimized and scaling and we'll see what happens with that. You, you may be hearing some news soon. we'll see, but um, you know, so, so life's good, man. You know, so whatever I can do to help. And if they want to reach out to me directly on you know, LinkedIn, Tyler, Sully Sullivan, and you know, I'll probably just say, Hey, I can't talk message my assistant because I don't like to work anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> kidding but hopefully i'm dropping some value and you know i think it's a hard thing to go from a hustler every day to an owner and i think everyone's got to go through their own journey and i'm just an old man you know i'm, I'm 9 years deep two companies and you know two kids so it's it's everyone's at their own journey so i hope whatever they're doing they enjoy it
0: very nicely said. So guys, for you tuning in today, first of all, thank you for sticking all the way until the, almost the end right now. Um, Sully, thanks a lot for all the insights. I think they were very valuable and practical, which I really loved about them. Um, and definitely will have links to your platforms in the description of the episode. So guys, if you feel that Sully could help out on your email marketing uh, you know, strategy and the way that you are thinking about the channel, uh, specifically if you have a Cl- Klaviyo account, um, then definitely reach out. Um, same if you feel there's anything in this episode that we touched upon and maybe you'd like to find out more information, we can also either if it's directed to Soli, then feel free to get in touch. If it's uh, directed to us or something that we could maybe organize together at a later stage, then definitely write us and we will be happy to see what we can do to best deliver towards that direction. Um, but yes until next time sally this was a very big pleasure to have you here uh very happy to hear that everything is going well and excited to hear the maybe the announcement soon um
1: we'll see we'll see one day at a time <laughs> I, I like i have a lot of secrets but uh no, i mean i appreciate you having me hopefully some value uh, not to get too deep in the tactics and, and hacks but i think uh, mind shift is is big man you know it's like it, you get so deep in the weeds in the computer, into the Shopify backend, doing the, the stuff that it's hard to see what's really a bigger lever to pull. And I think that comes through time. But it's if you're a founder and owner still in the day to day in your computer, I think there's bigger levers you can pull um, that will drive more revenue, grow faster, just by you know hiring the right people and getting out of the way, kind of. So uh, ho- hopefully some value
0: great stuff. Definitely. Uh, This was a very nice chat. And until next time, wishing you all the very best. Thank you again for being on the show and looking forward to catching up soon.
1: See you guys.